Welcome to the Sunday Message Podcast of Bethany Church in Fresno, California. We hope this message will encourage and equip you as you grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. If today's message helps you, share it with a friend. If you would like to know more about the ministry of Bethany Church, please reach out on Facebook or at BethanyChurchFresno.com. And now, here's this week's message. And it is a teaching series who, through Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus, has a lot, a lot of similarities uh, with with what we're going through as a culture today. And we just want to make sure that we are uh, that we're we're taking a look at what God's word says. We're we're acknowledging what's happening in our culture and following along with that. There's a framework for this series. These aren't my ideas, actually got these ideas from a Chinese missionary who was incarcerated for his faith. Uh, his name was Mach, uh, Watchman Nee. And in his book, Three Words, he has these three words. I'm going to have you say them out loud with me. They are simply this. They are sit, walk, stand. Everybody say sit, walk, stand. And it is on your notes right there. You'll see that sitting is the first three chapters of Ephesians. And it is under the authority of Christ. It's our identity in him. Uh, we've made some of the reading plans available for who we are in Christ Jesus. And this is our identity. And a lot of times what happens is, is that we experience um, disunity, division, negativity. We don't always know what to do with that. Um, uh, but what happens is, is that if we don't stay connected in who we are in Christ, all that stuff's going to creep in. And so the first three chapters, which we've already gone through, had to do with our identity. The next word that we want to deal with is the word... Um, on your notes, and that is, is, is walking. And this is where a lot of times when we feel tension, when we feel struggle, when we feel uh, some kind of conflict, it has to do with the fact that we've forgotten who we are in Christ, and then we begin to walk in some disunity. And, and chapters 4 to 5 show um, this. And then the last chapter has to do with something that we're going to talk a little bit about today, and it is the stand. Uh, and that stand has to do with some of the spiritual realities of this world and the fact that we're in spiritual opposition and that we have in Christ the power to take a stand against the enemy of our soul, Satan. So with that being said, our focus today is going to be on our theme verse. So for those of you who have been here for several weeks, you know at the very end of every one of our weeks, we have a benediction, we have a scripture, um, and it is Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 to 6. It's there on your notes. Let me read you our text for this morning. Here we go. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and the Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. Would you just join me in prayer? Let's pray. So Lord God, there's a lot going on. Would we not be distracted from Holy Spirit, what you want to do in our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus? Would you allow us to press through all of this and to really clearly hear your voice. We need you more than ever, God. Would you direct our path? Would you guide these next few moments in Christ Jesus? Amen. Amen. And so what I wanted to do is I wanted to share with you kind of the premise for today's message. And it's actually, I'm going to tether together at the end of the message. But here is the idea. It's this idea of convictions. Everyone say conviction. Everyone say conviction. 
All right, that's good. Now, there is a difference between a belief and a conviction. Now, a belief is accepting something as being real. And a belief is something that it just comes um, almost like subconsciously. You, you don't really even consider a belief because a belief is a belief. Um, I was thinking about what some of these beliefs uh, might be. Uh, and, and, and we just say, oh, like when you go grocery shopping later today and, and they ask you paper or plastic and you're like, paper. And, and the reason why you say paper is that, that there's a belief that you're like, well, paper's better than plastic. You know what I mean? Or paper's gonna hold my groceries better than plastic. And others of you are like, oh, absolutely not, pastor. It's all about the plastic, right? And so we have these beliefs, but at the end of the day, we're not gonna die on the hill of paper or plastic. Does that make sense? Beliefs are just beliefs. We believe something's real. But a conviction is very different. A conviction is being thoroughly convinced that something is true. It is bigger than, it is deeper than a belief. It's a conviction. And these convictions, I believe, are the pillar. They are the foundation of what Paul is writing today. Uh, They are the kind of thing, a conviction, that you would be willing to fight for. You would be willing to take a stand for. And yes, some of you would even be willing to die for. Those are convictions. And I believe convictions are the foundation of what it means for us to be a unified church. With that being said, there are seven things that Paul writes to this church. If you're taking notes, I wanted to share these seven convictions with you. Number one, if you would write this down, one body. He uses the phrase one body and what he means by this, if you would write down the word, write down the word church. He's talking about the church. Now, when we think about the church, a lot of times we just go to the belief that, oh, it's time to go to church. And by church, we think about the building. Remember the whole, the building, like here's the church, here's the steeple, open it up, whatever one, and there's all the people, right? So the church is more than a building. The church in the language that the Bible is written is the word ecclesia. And ecclesia literally means this, a gathering or an assembly. The church, my friends, is not a building that we go to. The church is a body that we belong to. Listen to what Scripture says on this topic. Romans chapter 12, verse 5. In Christ, though many form how many bodies, everyone? One body. They form one body and each member belongs to the other. See, a lot of times when we think about churches, we think about, well, I go to this church or that church. I go to this denomination or I go to this movement or or this location. But friends, I need to tell you something. We don't go to church. We are the church. And that is a conviction, everyone. that, That not only are we the church, but listen, we must be the church. And we are the church, not just on Sundays at 10 a.m., but every other day of the week. This is who we are. Do you believe that, church? That is a conviction. Before we go to the next one, I just want to ask you the question this. Do you really believe that? No, really. 
Do you really believe that or is it just a belief or is it a conviction? Does your schedule show that you believe that? Do, do, does your time show that you believe that? Do you, do, do what you, how you value your resources, does it show that you believe that? It's one thing to say, yeah, paper or plastic. Yeah, I go if it's convenient. Or do we really believe that we are part of the one body of Jesus Christ? Conviction number two, if you're taking notes, write this down. It is the Holy Spirit. It is one spirit, the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't have to tell you this, but friends, we live in a spiritually dynamic world right now. In Scripture, when you've read Scripture, you've read the the Bible verses, we know that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual forces of this dark world. Every spirit out there is not the same spirit of God. But as Christians, we have the one spirit, and that is the Holy Spirit. And at the moment of our salvation, when we give our life to Christ and and our, our soul is changed, there is a spiritual thing that happens. And that is, is that we become filled with the very Spirit of God. How cool is that, everyone? Now, some of you are like, you know what? Paper or plastic? I don't know if that's exactly how it goes, Pastor, right? I mean, I went to camp one time. There was this thing that happened, right? You know, uh, you know, I was watching TV or, you know, this thing on video. But I'm saying is, is that for us, when there, when we give our life to Jesus Christ, I'm telling you that there was something significant that happened. And that is, is that, is that God invaded your life in a real way. Let me read the scripture for you right here. It says this in Romans chapter 8, verse 16, that the Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit. So there is a Spirit of God that at the moment of our salvation, there's a, there's a connection with our spirit. And what does it call us, everyone, that we are what? We are God's children. So then that means that this conviction that there's a spiritual transaction, that we're no longer orphans, we're no longer doing our own thing, but rather that we are children of God. And I, and I hope you find this encouraging, church, because I sure do. Because there's some of you that are feeling a little hopeless, disconnected, you don't know where you fit in, you're not even really sure if Bethany is your church home, where do you fit into the body. I need you to know, regardless of what you think about God, that if you are in Christ, if you have given your life to Him, He is in you. And you are His child, and He is your heavenly Father. He has empowered you with the Spirit of God, the same Spirit that resurrected Jesus Christ from the dead, is in you. Do you believe that, church? Paper or plastic, right? No, it's bigger than that. Because if you don't believe that, then you're missing out on a life of conviction. And this is what Paul was saying, how important it is. Because not only is God with you, friends, listen to this. Here's the conviction. God is in you. God is in you. I want us all to say together, God is in me. Ready? Here we go. God is in me. And if you don't know that to be true, if you've never come to a place in your life where you've given your life to Jesus Christ and you know for certain that he has invaded your heart and soul, I'm going to give you that chance today to make that decision. Conviction number three. It's the word hope. And that is the return of Jesus. Hope. That is the return of of Jesus. Now, when you're looking at definitions, sometimes it's helpful to go to Wikipedia, or for those of you that are more old school, go to uh, Webster's Dictionary, right? But um, when, you, when you look to Webster's Dictionary, or you look to Wikipedia, the definition isn't helpful. The word hope uh, in, in, on Wikipedia says something like a wish, or a, a desire, or an explanation. 
But that problem is, is that that is not the definition of what Scripture says. Scripture says that our hope isn't a wish, but rather it is a confident assurance. It is a conviction. It is more than a belief, but it is a truth that we can build our life on. And our hope, guys, I want to give you some bad news and some great news. Here's the bad news. Our hope is not in this world. And this is where we get ourselves all messed up sometimes. That we see the situations and the circumstances of this life and we're like, it stinks right now. I don't like it. This isn't fun. I wish it was better. And our hope decreases. But I need you to know that this is not our final destination. We're just passing through. That our hope is in heaven. And it is the hope that we have of the return of Jesus Christ. Verse 13 of Titus, Paul writing a letter to, uh, to a church leader in the, in the early church, says these words, While we wait for the blessed hope, it is the appearance of the glory of the great God, our Savior, Jesus Christ. You see, there's a lot of things in this world that I am not sure of. There's some things in this world that for me truly are paper or plastic. I have ideas, I have hopes, I have wishes, but I don't know if it's true. For example, this last week, a bunch of us guys here, we all entered into a fantasy football draft. And what we did is we went on ESPN and we chose our teams and, um, and, and we made some predictions. We, we made some hopes based on um, some players that did good last year and we think they may do good this year. But at the end of the day, it's just a wish. We're just thinking it might happen. And, 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 you know, that we, that can be true for so many areas of our life. We don't know for certainty. It's just kind of a guess. Listen to what I'm saying right now. You don't want to bank your eternity on a guess, church. There's way too much at stake than just, I hope it works out. When Jesus has clearly said, I am going to return one day. A lot of times Christians get caught up. Well, is he going to return this way or that way? And the answer is, I don't know. All I know is, is that we're one day closer to Jesus's return. Amen. And that is the thing that we can stack our hands on. And we can say it is with conviction that we believe that whatever we're facing, whatever we're going through, God is with us. He is in us. He is for us. And friends, he is going to return one day. And our hope is not here Our hope is in heaven. Amen, church? Do you believe that, church? Would you be willing to die for that? I'll tell you, a person that people are willing to die for is Jesus. That's the next conviction that I want to talk about is the fact of the Lord. Paul says, one Lord. And this is very significant. He says, Jesus Christ. Now, there are three words, and if you're taking notes, if you're the note kind of taker, I want you to write down three words. Name, title, position. Name, title, position. The name is Jesus. That's his name. Title is Christ. That word Christ means anointed one or Messiah. If you've ever seen pictures of of Israel and Jerusalem and you see our Jewish friends that are praying at the Western Wall, they're waiting, they're praying for the Messiah to return. But we, as Christ followers, believe that Jesus was the Christ, the anointed one, the chosen one of God. And that he had a position. And the position that he had was that of Lord. 
Lord means controller. It means ruler of all things. And so for Paul to say one Lord, Jesus Christ, what he is saying is, is that in a world that is going to want us to bow our knee to other gods of materialism, of power, of sexuality, that there is one God that we yield our life to. And it's Jesus Christ. Do you believe that, church? Scripture says these words. says that, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is what? Lord. To the glory of God the Father. See, this is interesting because Paul's writing to a church in Rome. Um, I've had the opportunity to travel to Rome recently a couple times. And one of my favorite cities in the world... I mean, Jerusalem's my favorite, but Rome's pretty cool too. And in the middle of Rome, there's this building, it's called the Pantheon. The Pantheon is, it's a, it's a, it's a Catholic church now, but it wasn't always a Catholic church. Uh, the Pantheon used to be part of a Roman culture where the Romans believed in multiple gods, many gods. And that, if you think Pantheon, pan means many, uh, theo or theos means God. And so in the Pantheon originally, uh, there were these little alcoves that they chiseled into the inside of the Pantheon and they would put their different gods in the Pantheon. And so for Paul, writing from a prison cell about a 15-minute walk away from the Pantheon, for him to say there is one God and, his, and, and, and one day every knee will bow on earth and under the earth that Jesus Christ is Lord is a huge statement. You see, the primary way that Christians were arrested and killed was for the crime of atheism. I don't know if you knew that or not. But the atheism was not that they didn't believe in God, but they didn't believe in God's small g. They were willing to die for this. When you go to Rome and you begin to hear about the martyrs that were willing to die for this, oftentimes... What has been recorded in parabiblical history is that the last words of Christians in Rome before they were killed, thrown to savages, would be these words. There is one Lord, one God, Jesus Christ, and they'd be killed. Is that a belief or is that a conviction? That's a conviction. You see, I don't know that today we're going to be asked to die for that but would we be willing to? Paul was saying, this is a conviction. There is only one God. He is Lord. He is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Amen? Number five, if you would, write this down, that there is one faith. And there's a, there's a word that we use a lot. I want to unpack it real quick. It's called the gospel. Would you write down the word gospel? Uh, technically meaning good news. So what's the good news? What is the gospel? Well, what it is, is it's simply this. It is, it is this idea that we are living beyond the, the events of life. I, I think Paul writing to the church in Ephesus says it great here. I'm going to go back just a little bit here in, in chapter 2, verses 8 to 10. For it is by grace you have been saved. We studied this a couple of weeks ago. Through faith. Everyone say through faith. Now, faith is what we're talking about today. This is a faith message. And this is not from yourself. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. 
And a, a great acronym that I've heard uh, for a definition of grace, G-R-A-C-E, is God's riches at Christ's expense. That means that the hope that we have in heaven one day isn't based on anything that we do, but what has been done. And I got to tell you, everyone, trying to work your way into heaven is exhausting. You know why? Because it's futile. You can never do it. It's the good news is when we begin to realize that we don't earn it, we don't deserve it, but it has been paid in full, that it is Christ alone for why we're saved. I I just want to hold on to that real quick before I go on to chapter 6. I believe there are some of you right now that you you needed to hear this today, that the gospel is alive and it is fresh, that there are some of you that are under this maybe a weightedness or a heaviness of feeling like you don't measure up or you don't do enough or if you could just try harder or that you're going to, you just know that you're going to do two steps forward and one step back. And I want to remind you that when you gave your life to Jesus Christ. Remember I told you there was a supernatural thing happened that the Holy Spirit went into your life. Remember that everyone? You know what scripture says? It says that you were at that moment, you were sealed by the Spirit of God. When you read the book of Revelation, you know what it also says happens? That your name is written in the book of life. I believe that book of life, I gotta tell you, I don't know this for certain, and I'm just going to go ahead and say, I, do, I cannot prove this to be true. But I think about the ink that our name was written in in the book of life was by the very blood of Jesus Christ. Because he's the only reason why we're there. Not based on what we do, but what he did. Church, do you believe that? Is that a conviction? Would you be willing to die for that? Would you be willing to have an awkward conversation about that? Well, this is what we're talking about. This is why this is so important. Number six, something near and dear to the conviction of our church. It's one baptism. And I'm going to give you an interesting fill in the blank, the body. And I'm going to unpack that in just a moment. But baptism uh, was something that was happening before the New Testament. Did you know that? Baptism is something that's very much a part of the Jewish culture. There were these ritual cleansing ceremonies, these things called mikvahs. And so baptism was something that, that when, when Jesus came onto the scene, there was one that came before him. It's funny, his identity was John the what, everyone? Baptist. And so he was baptizing in a way that he was preparing the way for Messiah. And he said some interesting things. He was a unique dude. But one of the things that he said was, is that I'm baptizing with water, but one will come after me and he will baptize by what, everyone? The Holy Spirit. Yeah, and by fire, right. And so there is this idea that that baptism is a part of our faith story, whether we want it to be or not. In full transparency, the fact that Jesus was baptized himself is our model. Now, now, was Jesus sinful or perfect? Perfect. You see, so sometimes people say, well, I want to get baptized so that my sins will be washed away. Here's the problem with that theology. Jesus wasn't sinful and he was baptized. Why? Why did that happen? Well, Jesus was modeling, I believe for us, something that identified not only his life, but when he went into the water, his death, burial, And what, everyone? 
resurrection, when he came up out of that water. And, and he was, in his great commission, he was telling us what he wanted us to do. He wanted us to go into the whole world. He wanted us to make disciples. And weirdly enough, he said, I want you to what? Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them everything that I've taught you. And surely I will be with you, what? Always to the very end of the age. Meaning the Holy Spirit is with us, that we are testifying on his behalf. But this whole idea of the body, where does that come from? Interestingly enough, Paul writing to the church in Corinth says these words. Let me read it for you. For we were all baptized by how many spirits? By one spirit, so as to form how many bodies? One body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given to what everyone? One spirit to drink. One baptism, one spirit, one Lord. Now the waters of baptism do not save us. It is only by the blood of Jesus Christ that we are saved. Amen. But out of obedience, we do what Christ did and told us to do. And so I would just say for some of you who maybe you've never, out of obedience, been baptized, I want to encourage you to do that. Uh, on your connection card in your bulletin, just say, I want to get baptized. Or, or call the church. Um, we're going to be having regular baptism services here. Why? Because what happens is, is that when you give your life to Christ... You say yes to him. Not only is your eternal address changed, not only is the Holy Spirit placed in your life, but then you begin to live not as your own, but in the body of Christ. And we who are many in Christ form how many churches, everyone? One. And this is called unity. Last thing that I wanted to share with you is this idea, this final conviction of one God, that he is the Father. Now, this is going to be one of those not paper or plastic things. This is huge. You see, in our vernacular today, there are a variety of different ideas of how we got onto this gigantic ball we call earth. But for those of us that are Christ followers, we don't believe that we were some cosmic collision and accident. We believe that there is a creator God who had a plan. And the plan was always to have a forever family. Listen to what scripture says right here in John chapter 1 verse 12. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who call, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become what everyone? Children of God. Now here's the thing, friends. You might not know your birth father. Your whole life, you might have grown up believing you were an accident. I need you to know you're not an accident. You are deeply loved by God. Do you believe that? And God is faithful. And God is creating a forever family. He calls us his kids. Not born from a natural descendant or mom or a dad. Or human decision. Or a husband's will. Let's say this out loud, everyone. But what? Born of God. So here's the question. Do you believe that God is sovereign? That he is in control? 
Do you believe that, that, that in this lifetime, that you're just here by accident, that you're just here kind of bumping along until you take your last breath and you kind of evaporate into nowheresville? Or do you believe, is it possible, that there is a God from the beginning of time who knew your name, knew that you would be His child? See, I need you to know something. God loves the whole world. But not every one of the world are his children. Let me say that again. God loves the world. But to be a child of God is to say yes to your heavenly father. There are children that would say no. The question is is this. Who do you say God is? Is he your heavenly father? Is he your creator God? Or is there just some cosmic series of unrelated events that you're just still trying to put your head around. I need you to know that God is good and God is faithful. So here's the big idea that I want to share with you. It's going to magically appear on the screen. Here it is. Big idea. Our faith must move beyond belief to conviction. Our faith must move beyond. Yeah, it might be real. It, It could be real. I hope it's real. To it must become a conviction. Something that we so believe is true that we'd be willing to go all in on it. Of who God is. And, 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 and how He views me. And, and, and what He says about you. And what our plan is to be here, a part of this church family. I, guys, this, this, this series is, is hinges on this passage. That it is the, it's the walking out of who we are in Christ in a world that is opposed to the ways of God. We have to know who we are, that we're loved, we're accepted, we're secure, we're significant. We need to anticipate opposition. And I just need to know a little bit of opposition means that we may or may not be pushing in against the spiritual realm. Do you believe that, church? I do. And that, and that when there's that opposition that happens, it's not based on what we feel, It's not based on at times what we see, but what we know to be true. It's a conviction. Would you stand to your feet, church? Let me pray, and we'll close in this last song. So, Lord God, as this next song and last song is going to say, you're doing something new, like, like, like new wine. But, God, that is not at the expense of what you've done or even what you're going to do. So would we continue to be a vessel, God, Would we continue to be open to the leadings and the promptings of your Holy Spirit? Would we continue to be a faith community grounded in the truth that, God, you love us, but you loved us so much that you gave your son Jesus to die for us. And he did that. And he did it for the world. But not all of the world has accepted that fact. God, you love the world and you want children, but God, those children need to say, Daddy, help. And so if there's somebody here watching our line or even here today that has not yet given their life to you, I pray that they in this moment would say, I am a sinner and I need to be saved. And God, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. And something incredibly supernatural is going to happen right now. What's going to happen is that the old is going to be gone and the new is going to become and there'll be new creations in Christ Jesus.
And their names are going to be written in the book of life. And the Holy Spirit is going to empower them. And they're not going to be living for themselves. And their hope is not going to be in this world. But their hope is going to be in heaven. And the world is going to say things about them. But those things about them are not true. Only what you say about them is true. That they are accepted. They are significant. And they are secure in you. So, Lord God, I pray that you would hear at Bethany Church and at the churches around our community in this world that we would hold to these convictions, realizing that there are many people that want us just to have a paper or plastic belief system. Would we be the kind of people in truth and in grace that would live these things out for your glory, for your fame? We are so thankful for what you've done. And it's in the powerful name of Jesus that we pray these things. Amen and amen. Thanks for listening. Know that God loves you more than you can imagine. And for everything Bethany Church, check out BethanyChurchFresno.com.